That is, 51% of Christians say that God accepts the worship of all religion. Some in hearing this might say, well, what's the big deal? Some might say, who's to say that we are right? Who's to say that others are wrong? I wouldn't want to tell anybody that I'm wrong, so I can't say that they're wrong. And it has become mainstream in America to say that God accepts all worship. Just watch the politicians, watch the news. There, there would be very few that would ever say that God does not. Most of us, all of us will remember when Bernie Sanders was completely offended and shocked to find out that a Christian politician, a Christian man, believed that Christ was the only way to worship God, the only way to know God. If you watch the megachurch pastors, they go on Oprah, they go on The View, they go on all those talk shows, and when presented the question, does God accept all faith? They buckle under the pressure. They buckle under the desire of, for approval of men. They buckle under their desire to remain as popular as they are, and they say things like, I don't know. God's the judge. Who am I to say that some people will go to hell? And this has become mainstream. It has become mainstream to say that all ways are right. It's become mainstream to distance yourself from any position that is absolute. It has become mainstream to say that all roads lead to God. That all you have to do is lead, lead a good life and God will accept you just the way that you are. This has become mainstream. That all roads lead to God. The world around you, it does not hold to the fact that Christ is the way. The church around you, the church of America, 51% believe that Christ is just one way to the Father. And increasingly in our culture, if you say that Christ is the only way, that you have to know Christ in order to know God. That you have to know Christ in order to be saved. That in order to worship God, you must first come to God through Christ. If you hold these basic truths of the Christian faith, of the historic Christian faith, you will be called a bigot. You will be called small-minded. You will be called closed-minded. You will be called archaic. And you will be called intolerant. This is our world today. This is what people think in our country. But ultimately, it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what we say. Opinions will fade. Not everyone can be true, and not every religion can be right. This morning, we're going to look at what God says. What does He say? That's all that matters. Does he say that he accepts the worship of every religion, or does he claim to only accept one? I'm going to assert to you today that God known only that God not only does not accept all worship, he rejects all worship apart from Jesus Christ. I'm going to say to you boldly with the authority of God's word that 51% of Christians are flat out wrong. That 51% of Christians have traded the God of the Bible for a God of their own making. A God that is not in Scripture. 
not only are you lost if you don't have Christ, you don't know the living God if you think that he accepts the worship of all. Because you've missed the very purpose. You've missed the very heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've missed who God is. You've failed to know Him as He is. You have failed to realize that He is the holy God. That He is unlike us. That He is so otherly. That He's offended by sin. And He's offended by anything and anyone who would try to earn their way to heaven. It is offensive to Him. And to assert that he would accept the worship of all is to deny who he is. It is to deny, to deny him. To say that there are many ways to God, that it doesn't matter what you believe, that many are feeling their way to God and will eventually find him. To say that Jesus is just one of many ways to God is to deny God. It is blasphemy. It is idolatry. It is idolatry that God would accept all religions. This is a false God, a graven image of man, made in the minds of man. It is a created God according to their own liking. It is not the God of the Bible, and it is the God that is everywhere in our culture. It is the God that most people in America believe in this day. And as R.C. Sproul so famously said, the founder of Ligonier Ministries, this is what is wrong with the church today. That we do not know who God is, and we do not know who we are. This is our problem. God is holy, and we are not. And really at the root of it, the cause of it is sin. It's our sin See, our culture, they love their sin. And that's the root. In our sinful condition, we hate people telling us what we have to do. We hate people telling us that we are wrong. We hate people telling us that we are sinful. And so we've redefined God to be something that He is not. We have redefined His attributes. We've called Him all love and no justice. We expect Him to do what He re refuses to do. We've expelled His holiness from His character. And we want a God who is all mercy, but not just. This is what we have done. J.C. Ryle said, Beware of manufacturing a God of your own. A God who is all mercy and not just. Such a God is an idol of your own imagination. This is the crux of it, I believe. So many have rejected the God of the Bible. They have no clue he is, who He is. They have no clue of His holy standard. They have no clue of His justice. And they have the audacity to say that the God of the universe that sent His one and only unique Son to die for the sins of the world, that He was just making one way to the Father. A way to the Father. Well, I have news for you today. If there was any other way to know God, if there was any other way for God to accept your worship, then the precious Son of God would not have come. He would not have been put to death. He would not have taken this punishment on His sh shoulders. Could you imagine God the Son? God who took to Himself a fully human nature, leaving his heavenly throne, humbling himself, humbling himself to the point of death, humbling himself to become subject to the very creatures that he created, humbling himself being spit upon, being 
wrapped in a, a, a crown of thorns, being whipped, being scourged. And then not only that, facing the wrath of the Holy Father. Could you imagine God coming to earth, humbling himself to the point of death on the cross if there was another way to heaven? It is absolutely absurd to think that God would come if there was another way. But don't get me wrong this morning. Technically, there is another way to God. Technically, there's another way for God to accept your worship, and here it is. Be perfect in every single way. There is another way. Be perfect as God is perfect. Be holy as He is holy. And as soon as I say it, we all know that none of us meet this standard. Be perfect. Be holy. This isn't possible. And the world knows it. Everybody you run into, whenever people mess up, they say nobody's perfect. We're just human after all. Because we know the truth of Scripture, that we've all sinned. That Romans 3.10 declares that none is righteous, no, not one. That Romans 3.23 states that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But that has not stopped us from demanding God's grace in this nation. It has not stopped us from demanding that God would look past our sins and that He would accept all ways to heaven. It is in our pride that we would ever believe that God would just forgive us just because. It is in our pride that we would ever believe that God would look past our sin just because. It is in our pride that demands that God accept us as we are. But the Scriptures never say that He will accept us as we are, that He would accept us in our sinful condition. Are there any among us that have no sin? Is there any that can offer up good works to God that have not been tainted by our sin, that has not been tainted by selfish ambition and selfish desires? Search your heart today and know of the evil that exists within your own heart. You, like us all, are a sinner to your core. We are all sinners. We were born this way. We're not sinners because we're, we sin. We sin because we are sinners. We were born this way. Not a single one of us needed to be taught to sin. Not a single one of us needed to be taught to hit their siblings when they were growing up. Not a single one of us needed to be taught to care for yourself beyond any other. To care for our wants and for our own desires. Not a single one of us needed to be taught to Worship what God had made rather than Him. If you want to see a case study of that, just come to my house. Watch my children. You want to do family devotions? It's like pulling teeth. You can't get them to listen. You can't get them to sit still. But you put them in front of a TV. You put them in front of a tablet. You put them in front of a video game. They're devoted to that like with all their heart, soul, and mind. They love their idols with all their heart, soul, and mind. This is the human condition. It's always been easy for us to sin than it ever, ever has been to worship God, to know God, to love God. This is who we are. Not a single one of us has not had the lustful thoughts that Christ called adultery of the heart. Not a single one of us has not been angry with others that Christ called murder of the heart. Not a single one of us has not told countless lies that we cannot even add up. To which the book of Revelation says in chapter 21, verse 8, that all liars will have their portion 
in the lake that burns with fire. We are guilty. If you are a living, breathing human being, you are guilty. If you are an American, you are guilty. If you are a church member, you are guilty. You are a sinner. We are the wicked that God says we, he will not accept as we are. Psalm 5 verse 4 says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. This is who God is. And as I said earlier, this is our problem. We have no clue that he is the God who stands apart from evil. He's the one who says in Nahum 1.3, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will by no means clear the guilty. And in Psalm 7, verse 11, it says there of God that he is angry with the wicked every day. Far from accepting the worship of all people, far from accepting the worship of all religions, it says here that he's angry with the wicked every day. This is what the Scriptures declare. That he is a righteous judge, and he will righteously judge every single sinner found outside of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 6, when the prophet saw the Lord sitting on his throne high and lifted up, he was there confronted with the holiness of God. He was confronted with the purity of God. He was confronted with the majesty of God. There, when he saw the Lord sitting on his throne, the reality of who God was came to him face to face. And if you read of Isaiah, what happened there, he became ever aware of his unclean lips. He said there in Isaiah 6, verse 5, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Because of the holiness of God, because of the purity of God, because of who God is, Isaiah realized how sinful he was. He realized that everyone around him, the land that he lived in, that all the people like him were people of unclean lips. He was undone. And it was at that moment that I believe that Isaiah experienced more fear than any other time in his life. And far from wanting to be close to God, Far from wanting to be in a close, intimate relationship with God at that point in time, he wanted to be as far away from this holy God as possible. Why? Because God exposed his sin. He exposed his guilt. And at this moment, he would rather be in any other place, anywhere, than there in the presence of the Almighty. And this is the way it will be for every single sinner. Not only would God never accept us in our sin, we would desire to be as far away from him as possible because he is holy and we are not. Because he is good and we are not. Look to the disciples. When they experience the, the holiness of God, they say, depart from me. When Peter experienced the holiness of Christ, he fell down to his knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Do not mistake it this morning. 
that in your sin, apart from Christ Jesus, Hebrews 10.31 will be true of everyone who is not, does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. It will be a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so, what's the world say? When confronted with their sin, what do the re- world religions say? They say, do this and le- live. Most all in their pride say that they, can, that they can do enough good in their life, that that good in their life will then outweigh the bad in their life. That all they have to do is be a, a good person, and if they do enough good works, and if their good outweighs their bad, God will accept them. This is what every world religion teaches. But we don't live that way. We don't even live in a nation that way. We have unjust judges that don't even live that way. We step in a courtroom, guilty as can be. We don't say to the judge, let me go. Let me be free of all my crimes because I've done all this good over here. I know I've done all this, but let me go because of this good. No judge, no just judge would ever do that. And as, the peop- as people, we would never want a judge to do that. No. There's a penalty for a crime. And the scriptures say that we have a penalty for our crimes against God. And that in his courtroom, all will be guilty. And the religion of do, which is basically every other religion all over the face of this planet, they're never going to be able to do this and live. They're never going to be able to do enough good. They're never going to be able to get there because the judge is just. It's not a reality. This is not what God says. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We all want to believe in our hearts that we're good. But we know inwardly that we're not. And ultimately, I believe that we know there's a reckoning for our sin that is coming. And because we don't want to face that reality of our sin... We don't want to face that reality of judgment. We say things like, always are right. We say things like, everyone is right. And if every way leads to God, if there is no wrong way, if every single one of us are going to make it, if everyone can worship God, and there is no one way, if there is no judgment, then there's nothing to worry about. Then live your life. Live and let live. I'm not going to say you're wrong. You're not going to say I'm wrong. Everybody's okay. But this isn't reality. This is a lie from the pit of hell. This is a lie from Satan that he has convinced the hearts and minds of men and women to believe all over our nation. See, God is holy. And he will not find the guilty guiltless. We've already established that none are good, that all have sinned, that all are guilty. And while you may be able to do good for the rest of your life every single day, what are you going to do with your guilt? What are you going to do with your sins that you have committed? How are you going to stand before the God, the God who says in Isaiah 6 or 64 6 that all of your sin is of filthy rags? Before him, all of your good deeds are as filthy rags. That is, that they've been tainted by sin. They are polluted garments to him. They are repulsive to him. No, there is no worship that God will accept from us. 
in and of ourselves. Because it is unclean. It is from unclean hands. It is a broken, fractured relationship that cannot be fixed by human effort. Hear that this morning. We, there is a broken, fractured relationship between God and man that cannot be fixed by human effort. So no matter how much zeal, no matter how much good, no matter how much religious motions you go through, no sinner will ever be good enough to get themselves to God. God has made it impossible for us to make it to heaven in our sin. As sinners, we need a way out. We need a way out. We need an escape from our guilt. We need a door. We need a pathway to God. We need a cleansing. We need forgiveness. We need to be pure. We need to be holy as He is holy. We need to be perfected. We need freedom from our debt, freedom from our sin. We need redemption. We need reconciliation to this holy This is what sinful men and women need. And so how is this possible? Well, there is one way. And that one single way that the unrighteous can be declared righteous, that the unclean can be washed clean, that the wicked can be called God's children, that the evil can be loved by the holy God, that sinners can receive a just pardon for their sin that sinners can be received into his glorious kingdom, that one way is Jesus Christ. That one way is the religion of done. Christ did it all. The living God who is the just just God who declares that he will punish sin and that he will not clear the guilty, that vengeance is his, This pure and holy God who will not dwell with evil is also the merciful God. The God who is so gracious, so loving to provide a single way. Some say it's not right that there's only one way. It's not fair that there's only one way. Well, if we wanted fair, it would be that every single one of us would pay for our sins, for all of eternity, in hell. And nobody's complaining about the demons not having a way. No one's complaining about the fact that Satan doesn't have a way to be redeemed. The fact that God has provided us one single way shows us that His love, that His grace, that His mercy is absolutely matchless. I say when we're this far from God, we are so unlike Him, when we've broken His commands, when we've rebelled against His way, when we've reviled His holy name, why is there one single way? And the answer to that is, God is love. God found it pleasing to save a people for Himself. To give a love gift to his son, a people for his own possession, a people redeemed by the blood of the land. And so he set out to do so by sending his one and only son, Christ Jesus, the perfect one who never sinned. The holy one of God who did all that the father asked of him. And he came with one single purpose, one single mission to save sinners. And he set out to accomplish that 
redemption, and he did just that. He lived the life we could not live. He died the death that we deserve. and He drank the unimaginable cup of the Father's wrath towards sin. There on the cross, he faced the eternal justice of God that you and I deserve. It was placed on his shoulders. And this preeminent Christ died once and for all in place of sinners. And this once and for all sacrifice was accepted by the Father. And this once and for all sacrifice atoned for the sins of his people. And we are cleansed from all of our unrighteousness in Christ. Our sin is cast as far as from the east is from the west. And in Christ, the wretched sinner can be declared righteous. Our sin was laid on his shoulder. His perfect obedience is accounted to us. Sinners made right with God. Hopeless sinners finding hope in Christ. Ones who were once far off, able to be drawn near to the holy God. The punishment that we deserve was taken by him. The sinner can now be in the presence of God. And no more like Isaiah do we want to flee from the presence of God. No more are we trying to run from the Holy God. Instead, we can be in an intimate relationship through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because we have been washed clean. Because we are in Him. And when we are in Christ, the Father looks at us as He would look at His own Son. See, an impossible, impossible chasm was bridged by the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The infinite one is the only sufficient sacrifice, the only sufficient payment for our sin. And because our sin is so great and God is so holy, did you hear that? Because our sin is so great and God is so holy, it is the only conceivable way to come to God. We need to get this message. We need to receive this gospel message that our sin is so great and that God is so holy that Christ is the only way. And when you realize your sin is great and when you realize that God is holy, you have found out who you are and you have found out who God is. And when you realize you're a great sinner, you should realize your great need. Jesus Christ. God does not and will not and will never accept any worship from any other faith. Period. From any other way other than Jesus Christ who said he was the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. As I close this morning, I want to think about this woman here in John chapter 4 at the well. Many believe that God will accept all worship, but we can learn a lot from the conversation with this woman. She was a Samaritan woman. Samaritans refused to worship God by the way he created. They refused to worship God through his people, through his priests, through his temple, through his word. They created for themselves their own temple. They rejected the majority of God's word. They denied the truth of scripture that his way came through the Jews. And Jesus said in John 4:22, "You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews." How is salvation 
from the Jews? Well, God gave the promise to Abraham that through his seed, all nations would be blessed. Jesus Christ is that seed. Salvation is through the Jews because Jesus came through the Jews. And he said, you worship what you do not know. He's saying to her, you're ignorant. You're worshiping nothing. You're worshiping a figment of your imagination. You're worshiping a golden calf, an idol, a made-up God. This is what Jesus said to her. And God would declare the same thing to all the world religions. The same as Jesus did to the woman at the well. He would say that salvation has come through the Jews, through Christ Jesus. And when you do not come through him, you worship what you do not know. You're ignorant. You're worshiping a false god, an idol. And apart from Christ, that worship, it's not pointed to the one true and living God. It's to a false god. It's to nothingness. It is predicated on a demonic lie. It is empty and void. This is the religions of the world. Their worship does not go to the one true and living God. He went on to say to her, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So you hear it there, in spirit and in truth. Spirit, a heart that has truly been transformed by God. A born-again believer, one who has called upon the name of the Lord, one who has been broken by their sin, one who has been saved by the Lord God Almighty, one who has forsaken their former lives, who have come to Him for grace, one who has found refuge, who has found forgiveness, who has found Jesus Christ, one who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And it is only then that we are empowered to worship Him as He pleases from the heart. And he says, and truth. That is that we can't just throw anything up to God and expect it to be accepted. We can't just say because it ha- it's um, emotional or it's got devotion or it just feels right that God will accept it. No, it must be in accordance to his word. It must be in accordance to his truth. It must be in accordance to the incarnate word, the incarnate truth, Jesus Christ. And when it comes through this incarnate word, we have the way, the truth, and the life. And this is the absolute only way to come to the Father. The only way to worship God is through Christ Jesus, our Savior. And so the answer to the question is, will God accept the worship of all religions? Unequivocally, no. Christ is the way. Do you know the way? Have you found the narrow way that leads to life? Have you found the door to eternal life? Have you found the only way to the Father, Jesus Christ? Please today, today is the day. Come to him if you do not know him. There is absolutely no hope apart from Christ. And as Peter said, he is the only name under heaven to which we must have in order to be saved.